Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe Oltman. Dude, it's been a day, Max. <laughs> yes, it's been a day since the last time we were on air. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is it's been a day. Uh, so j- just so you know, earlier, um, I did the, um, I did the, uh, Seth uh, Whole House's show at 12 today. I don't know if you know that. Did you know about that? No. Yeah, so that was an hour and a half, and we answered a lot of questions and had a lot of good conversations. Um, it was great. It was absolutely great. So if you get a chance to head over to uh, Seth uh, Whole House's show as well, you should. I'll be posting it so you can uh, get the reprint. So there's two ways to get it. It was, it was, it was an amazing conversation. He's going to be coming on to our show. Um, which I think will be really fun for us because he's just a, not only a wealth of knowledge, but just an amazing guy. But uh, he's the man in America. Uh, he has not been kicked off of YouTube or Facebook. I, I told him, I go, we haven't been kicked off either. We just decided to give it up, not go on there. Because you can't talk about it. I got really dangerously close, Max, to election fraud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, I went, election! And I stopped myself, and he goes, fixing 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The year. It was a bad year all around. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. So we have a guest today, and I think this is this is gonna be another blockbuster conversation about the election fraud that we're facing across the country and the fact that they are colluding with each other. They're colluding with each other, Max, about the fraud that we're dealing with in on the Republican side to put pressure on those that are bringing truth to light. This has nothing to do with truth at all, has everything to do with following their agenda on the left and the right. Yeah. Am I just not saying anything? You gotta... Well, no, I mean, uh, you, want, you want to introduce the guests or you want me to do it? Yeah, let's go ahead and bring them on. This is Ivan Raikland. Ivan. Welcome What's to up? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I want hey, you to tell hey. everyone about yourself because you've been kind of... Um, on the on the down low a little bit, and then you decided you popped your head up. We, you know, you've you've been involved in things trying to get to the bottom of the election fraud, but have been fairly quiet about it. Just taking kind of the humble, quiet road of you know just trying to solve problems and, and inject yourself in mm-hmm. when you can to to help and being a yep, part of the absolutely. team, and serving when you need to serve and leading when you need to lead. Um, probably uh, one of the most humble people I've ever met. Um, but also a guy that used to wrestle. <laughs> I did, yes, back in the day. <laughs> um, but tell everyone about yourself and uh, for those that don't know you. No, Joe, thank you for having me. I mean, everybody's busy in today's day and age, so I really appreciate this opportunity to kind of get the message out that I think a lot of your listeners and viewers are going to want to hear. A little bit about my background. Again, everything, I have to say this, because otherwise the attacks are going to continue to come. Everything I am doing related to this is in my personal capacity as Ivan E. Raikland. 
nothing that I'm doing is during any other person's watch, whether it be a company, client, or anything that I'm involved in. Okay? Having said that, my background, in order to frame what I'm about to explain, is that I've served for over two decades in our military, had the honor to do so, and uh, the roles that I've played are I've been an intelligence officer, tactical, operational, strategic levels. I've done the most cool guy stuff you can think of. You know, luckily, didn't get too injured in the process. And I've also served as, I've had the honor to serve and lead folks as a special forces officer, as a detachment commander, as well as a uh, former company commander. Deployed on four continents, picked up a few languages on the way, Arabic being one of them, as we were just uh, doing earlier in the show. Uh, Arabic, Russian, Spanish, uh, a little bit of French, and uh, hopefully I'll be fluent enough in English to be able to continue this conversation that we're going to have on, on 2020 and actually hopefully even before then. So that coupled with my educational background and professional background has included uh, being uh, a lawyer, a constitutional lawyer, focusing on that as well as national security. Now, for a majority of my time as an attorney, I like to say I'd been a recovering attorney. But when 2020 rolled around, let's say around November 3rd, that's when I had to really wake up again. While I wasn't completely dormant, I really woke up in order to be able to assist by bringing in that entire operational background to get a sense of what's going on, being able to do the analysis that I've been involved in in the past, and then overlapping it with the analytic framework and knowledge of our legal structure to be able to see whether or not our election was being conducted in the manner in which the Constitution set forth. Now, with that framing, so bottom line to sum it up, think constitutional lawyer, former Green Beret commander, or whatever archetype that comes to mind, that's essentially sums up my entire background. So family guy, two kids, wife, right? Uh, but having said that, what I really want to do is, I don't know how much time we have here, because it might take longer than, if we need, if we can do that, I would appreciate it, because this, some of the components that I'm going to discuss are things that I haven't really, I haven't shared yet to a broader community yet. It's really been behind the scenes, like you've said. And the main, main reason, I want to touch on this, the main reason I'm coming out, and I put it out in, on my Telegram, you know, it's a fairly sizable audience. Uh, the reason why I'm coming out and wanting to do more shows and podcasts is because when you attack me, that's not going to intimidate me. I am going to escalate and I'm going to escalate until the truth comes out. And then whether that means I have to be detained to stop me, whether I need to be physically muzzled, it still ain't, is not going to stop me because you Put know me what? In, coach. I'm going to do it. By, I'm going to do it by the book. <laughs> By the law, because I study it before I make any move. It's by the book, peaceful, patriotic, legal, moral, and ethical. And when you start attacking me, that motivates me. And I think that's why, Joe, when we first met and I saw some of your content, that really resonated with me because you can see the, the true passion that comes out. And uh, that really resonated with me. So I'm really glad to be here with you. And I'm not as passionate in my speech sometimes, but it might come out in a different form so maybe you'll hey, get it out of me don't mistake <laughs> kindness for weakness right exactly don't mistake kindness so for weakness. this smile yeah always have a plan 
Dude, the I'm, other I'm smiling all the way down it. That way. So, someone, <laughs> Mr. Producer, am I not smiling even when I'm like, I'm like, ha all right, let's Sometimes go. Sometimes I question why you're smiling, and I've learned not to not to wonder about it. I go, I'm, I'm somewhere, and I go like this. I'm like sitting and talking to him, and I go like this. <laughs> He's like, what's behind me? <laughs> uh, you gotta have it's a little never, bit of fun. It's never boring. Uh, no, it's never boring. You gotta you gotta have a little bit. If it clacks off, you gotta make sure you're like. All right. So I have two so, things before you go into this that I wanna that yeah, I wanna yeah, say absolutely. that happened. One. Um, <clears throat> We got another death threat this morning. Uh, I've never hey, seen another cryptic. opportunity for a second amendment. The way I look at it, there's always opportunity. I, so they sent it, and it, it was the weirdest thing ever. And all uh, uh, Stephanie did when she sent it over to me is she was like, uh, FYI, death threat. <laughs> and she said, it, and watch your back, Joe. We're watching you. Really? Then why do I need to wash my back if you're watching it for me? I just want to know. Right, do I exactly. have to wash my back? <laughs> Maybe I don't have to wash my back. Um, and you'll be the first to swing. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but if I'm the first to swing, you have no chance of coming out of this well. But yep. I, I'll, I digress. And the second thing is, is somebody came. To, you don't know this about Colorado, but we have this thing called Douglas County, right? Douglas County, Colorado. And in mm -hmm. Douglas County, we're all red. Our per capita gun ownership is unbelievably high. It's like 25 guns per household. It's probably not that high. I made that up, but it's, it's high. I mean, I have, gun, <laughs> I have a gun store in range in, in Douglas County, and it's the largest seller of one of the largest sellers of guns and ammo in the state of Colorado. And some moron, the media reported that there were shots fired in, in Castle Rock, which is in the heart of Douglas County. And so I looked into it. I picked up the phone and I called and I was like, hey, you know, uh, so what's going on? What, what, what's the shots fired? Well, a carjacker tried to carjack someone <laughs> and the guy pulled a gun and shot as he was pulling it out because the guy was trying to rob him, right? With a gun or a knife. And he goes, and he held the guy at gunpoint until the police arrived <laughs> and he was detained. The media, I kid you not, Ivan, I kid you not. Called a shooting. Called it said a there shooting. was a shooting and a man was in custody. Not there was a carjacking. Somebody tried to take his, foil, his deal, foil card and he was like, wait a minute, boop, boop, hey, what? Oh, yeah, why are you laying on the ground with your head in the gutter? Oh, that's right, you tried to carjack someone in the yeah. highest per capita <laughs> gun ownership in the state. Okay, I digress. Let's jump right into the receipts and the things that we need to do about election fraud, because we've had an exciting last two days. Okay, let me take one or two minutes just to kind of set the frame. The reason why we're in the situation that we're in is we have been in a duopoly since the eight since 1856. All right, 1830s the Democratic the modern Democratic Party was established. 1856 the modern Republican Party was established. Thus, by 1856, the entire political spectrum in the United States minus onesies and twosies in the of the independents. So about 99.9% .9 of the political class has been from those two parties. Now fast forward, uh, 19. Let's say 1908. This is where we get into a little bit of deep state, kind of the origins. So in 1908, for those of you that know a little bit about U.S. history, is the date or the year where the precursor to the FBI was created, right? So the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I'm going to interweave a lot of things here, Joe. So uh, I think you're hopefully follow along. If all right. So I, I can follow along because I'm a walking encyclopedia of worthless information. And so is Max, by the way. 
Um, so we'll follow along. Just I might slow you down a little bit just so that people can understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Because well, we I just jumped it. 60 years in 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> yeah. And a lot <laughs> happened in those 60 years. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Most so, informative years. You know, Civil War, 13th, 14th, yeah, no 15th, big deal. You know, up through the 18th Amendment, and then later mm-hmm. on, fast forward to the 1919, the 19th Amendment. I, okay, get it. Okay. Deep State. So during that time, who was the longest serving FBI director? A guy by the name of? J. Edgar Hoover, Hoover. Right? Hoover, yeah. So he was in as the FBI director for 48 years. Hello, Remember, daddy. a president, 48 years, right? Hello, what daddy. can you do in 48 years? A That's lot. basically six, seven presidencies. So you kind of build a dossier on your political opponents, right? So if you start looking it up at the, the number one news source of the, of the radical communist domestic terrorist left, which is known as Wikipedia, right? Using their own source... You can pull up if you want to pull up the FBI and you go into what's called, if you can pull this up on the screen while I'm discussing it, Co-Intel Pro, right? I'm, I'm setting the frame here, setting the stage for what's going to happen in 2016 and into 2020 and then what happened on January 6th. And that's the part I think that's going to blow a lot of people's minds on who was actually uh, involved in all this. You said co Co-Intel Pro, C-O-I-N-T. E-L-P-R-O, on Wikipedia. Okay. So basically, you can take a look. Put it back up. It's the program, FBI's program, that they used back in the day. This is this is their own source. Okay, in order so to infiltrate political opponents, which they labeled as you know, radical extremist groups. Some of them obviously were, but others were folks like Martin Luther King's organization, right? And in there, if you type in Though, if you do a keyword search for assassination, let's bring that up. Smearing character assassination. So let's take this down. Max, just so we can see everyone, Max, why don't you actually do that? And we'll just share your screen if that works. Makes it a little easier because then we can still see us and do all the stuff we need to do for this. So, yeah, while while that's coming up, what I want to say is, and you can do your research on your own, but we'll, we'll bring some of this up is the fact that back in the 60s, that was really, in my opinion, based on my studies, in the last 100 plus years, the time when an organization outside of the construct of both Democrat and Republican Party really was competition to the narrative, the political narrative of our country. And that was Martin Luther King Jr., right? And the Civil Rights Movement. That was a big time. You can argue that the the, the women's rights movement and the voting rights was, was another time. But going back to 18 or excuse me, 1960s was really the next iteration with the civil rights movement. And what did the FBI and the deep state back then do? They did everything from infiltration onto and including uh, using the media to attack individuals, smear them, similar to what's going on today, right? Weird. Up onto and including assassination. Yeah. And in that same article, it says those same tactics, I'm not sure if they're referring to assassination, but those eight, same tactics are being used potentially up to including today. If you look through the article, it's not me. You can go ahead and look at that and then you can look at the sources that are referenced in there. OK, now 1860s, what happened to RFK? What happened to J or excuse me, to uh, Martin Luther King? We all know 
for those that don't, yes, they were assassinated. And we don't know exactly who. I mean, there are some allegations, but Spoiler something alert. to think about. Yep. All right, so that's the 1960s. Now, let's fast forward. For those of you old enough listening, what happened in the aftermath of all that political turmoil in the 60s and into the early 70s? We had the Vietnam War going on, right? Externally, was that a wag the dog special? Who knows? Do your research. But let's move forward. 1973, January. This is where I think most people are going to start to pick up and understand what's going on. Joe, what happened in the first week of January of 1973, sir? Need a hint? Yeah. A gentleman from Delaware became the youngest U.S. Yes, senator, senator from Delaware. What was his name? Biden. Uh, first Joe name, Byron. Joseph. Joseph. Robinette. Middle initial Biden. R. Biden. Yes. January of 1973. That is approximately 49 years ago. Remember I talked about Deep State FBI Director? Yeah. 49 years is kind of similar to 48 years, right? So yeah. what kind of damage can you do in 48, 49 years? Well, let's, let's take a look. Well, let's he do is a the bit dumbest man in human history. I'm going to tell you, they used to call... I remember in the early 2000s, they used to call Biden the dumbest man on the Hill. I kid you not. Okay, I'm going to stick. You can say what you want. I'm going to stick to receipts. All right, you I'm stick to receipts. On some of the things that I can say based on certain capacities that I hold, right? Okay, that so are, I, just, I just, think, identify. I, I just <laughs> wanted to throw in there that I think the guy's an idiot. But then again, I, I digress. That, it probably has nothing to do with what you're saying. I can't so agree just, or disagree right. with those adjectives. <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. It's your show, man. I, I'm here no, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's not. It's, it's your this show. I'm just space. here. I'm just here. You can you can call Joe Biden an idiot. This is a safe space. Safe space. Okay. I will call. I got this. you. I got you. All right. So, <laughs> forty nine years. And if I'm going too slow, tell me I can speed it up. All right. Yeah, you you. I want people to understand this. This is really important information. This is incredibly important information. Incredibly important. Okay. Excellent. So, 1973. Becomes senator of Delaware. What committees has he served on in a significant fashion in that course, in that period of time? Foreign affairs. I'll tell you. Um, judiciary, right? Early on. So to remind folks, the Judiciary Committee, both on the House side and the Senate side, under Article One of the Constitution, which sets forth our Congress, is charged with providing oversight of the executive branch. Namely, the committees have jurisdictions. The judiciary has jurisdiction to provide oversight over the Department of Justice and the FBI, right? So, remember that. Well, the judiciary it, also... It, it would be the select committee that would have jurisdiction over the FBI. It? So you judiciary have the... Select. Judiciary has overarching responsibility yes, over DOJ does. and FBI... You're thinking about the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. It does have a small jurisdictional hook over the intel components of the FBI and the broad and the broader intelligence community. What I think that's do? what you're going towards, and I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna address that. But we're not there yet because we haven't gotten to 1978. We're still in 1973. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm dude. I'm, I'm taking notes. Right. By the way, I just want you to know right now. I'm taking notes. 
Everybody else, get right, your so, pins out and paper. Let's go. No, no computer stuff. <laughs> 19, so, okay, Biden. Now, what else is the judiciary involved in other than oversight? That's the committee that starts the process on deciding which federal court judges are going to be nominated after being appointed by a president. Okay? President appoints based on, well, how do they do that? They don't just randomly do it. They have to have a network. Well, who is that network? We'll get to that later. Uh, with the last 300 appointments under uh, 45. So, Judiciary Committee initiates the process for confirmation of Supreme Court justices, courts of appeal, and federal district courts. Okay? We'll make sure that that's clear. So, Article 2 and Article 3, significant influence on the judiciary, right? Because it has really oversight over domestic operations, if you will, and lawfare, as well as how the courts are going to decide on that lawfare. So very consequential, very powerful committee. Now, in the aftermath of all this domestic spying and subversive activity by this Co-Intel Pro, there was a backlash. And there was a discussion on, well, is it is should it be le- America decided uh, that it didn't want carte blanche spying on Americans without any sort of oversight? So then in 1978, a little law known as the Foreign Intelligence Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was created. If you want to go into Wikipedia, pull that up. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was created uh, as a law. Yeah, you can put it up. Judiciary, put it back full up. Senate, House, and it created a little-known court known as the Foreign Intelli- Intelligence Surveillance Court. I'll refer that to them from here on forward as FISA and FISC. So the law is the FISA law, or I'll say FISA court, or the FISC. All right, so the FISC was created, 78. What did it do? Well, in the law, if you look at the specifics of it, sorry, I got to put on my lawyer hat on and make some lawyerly noises here. So we have the FISC. Seven judges are appointed in the initial court. Who appoints those judges? Who, who do you think? Give it a guess. The Senate. Who appoints the FISA court judges? No. One more try. The Supreme Court. Yes, close. So let me get to it. The president appoints all federal judges. The yeah, but FISA a... court. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Is appointed by. You have to be a sitting district court judge. Already appointed, and then the Supreme Court chief justice is the single person that appoints members of the FISA court. What? I need to say that again. This is so important as we get into 2016 and the illegal spying on the Trump campaign. So this is John. Let me say it again. The FISA court judges, initially there were seven. Now we're at 11 after the Patriot Act after 2001. All FISA court judges are appointed singularly and solely by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Are your synapses connecting, Joe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, uh, my heart sank a little bit. Now, okay, so, so this me, is just the water before the appetizer. So the Chief Judge, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court mm-hmm. is the one that appoints unilaterally, without any oversight, those yep. those FISA judges. 
who then, by the way, serve, serve for the entire remainder of their, it's a lifetime appointment. No, uh, I believe it's a seven year term. Okay, hold on. And they're seven-year alternating. Term. And so basically every two years, there's an appointment based on the construct. I'd have to look at the specific, I don't have that part memorized. Yeah, it's, but seven, it is, uh, seven years. So thank you. So seven years. Now, 78 is when this court was established with the seven judges. Follow along with me. Who was the chief justice of the Supreme Court when the FISA court was created? Oh, man, that's... <laughs> I don't even know. All right. I'll Vice tell you. was created in 1978. Warren. Appointed by... Uh-huh. Hoover. President Nixon. Yeah. I get it. Nixon wasn't the president in 78. People are going to be like, oh, he's totally wrong. It was Carter that was the president. But I he got was assigned it. as a district court he judge. He was appointed... No, no. He was appointed as the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court when Nixon was the president years before... And when the FISA court was created, he was then the person that decided who would be sitting on the FISA court. A judge or chief justice appointed by Nixon. Nixon was what party? Republican. 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 Okay, so here we go. It doesn't matter what party it is, but I, it's all, it's no, all no, no. a sham. It actually, it's, it's going to, it actually will. Uh, it, I mean, I get you, but the follow on here. I, I spoke about some of this stuff in New Hampshire. And that's really when the attacks occurred because that was my first public speech and uh, some some small name publications out of uh, Britain and and New York were out there ambushing me, which most people have heard, but they're like yellow press to me. Uh, anyway, so we got the first chief justice appoints the first seven. All right, who's next up? Who's the next chief justice? Rehnquist, right? William Rehnquist, appointed by. This is, come on, this is your generation, Joe. You're about my age. Dude, if this was even something, I'm trying to keep up. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, okay, I got to So here's I, what I'm getting at. I'm setting the frame of what the entire judicial ecosystem looks like, and I'm going to name names in the collective, their relationships, and why we're seeing all of this, all the fraud that we are trying to collectively expose. Who is actually stopping it? Yeah. I'm, I'm setting the base foundational knowledge. So this is uh, I'm going to take as much time as you need because this yeah. is it's Reagan. massively it's Reagan. important. It's, it's, it is massive. So Reagan, okay, Reagan, his vice. So this is where we connect the dots. Reagan appoints Rehnquist. Rehnquist now over the course of Reagan's eight years, plus his vice president becomes the president for four more years. A guy by the name of who? Herbert Walker Bush, former Herbert head of the CIA, Walker, who was previously the CIA director. Thank you. So 12 years, right? So the FISA court was appointed by Rehnquist during that entire period. In 2005 is when the next Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, was appointed. John Roberts. Okay? Good job, Joe. By George Well, I know w. that part. Bush. I didn't know the Rehnquist deal at all. Who I didn't follow I, the Supreme who Court. Last I checked. That's fine. That's fine. That's why we're doing this because yeah. it's key. So... George W., last I checked, was the son of George Herbert Walker, Walker, the director of the CIA, vice president, and president. You make your own conclusions. I'm telling you what happened. Now, it's all connected. Chief Justice Roberts, 
2005. Keep the circle so small. You, the circle is so small, nobody even knows it. Right. Would you think that, uh, I mean, all those chief justices that I just mentioned since the creation of the FISA court in 1978 were appointed by a Republican president, right? Yeah. All of them. To this day, as we're talking right now, Chief Justice Roberts, 2005. So after the Patriot Act was implemented and it expanded the court from seven to 11 judges, by the time 2012 rolls around, about seven years later from 2005, who has appointed all the chief justices that have sunsetted from the previous chief justice? Chief Justice Roberts. So in 2012, all the chief justices on the court, one could argue, have some loyalties to the person that appointed them. Wouldn't that be a logical, uh, I guess, conclusion? Yeah, oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, at least a little bit. A little bit. Probably a little bit more than a little bit. I would think a little bit more than a little bit, but it could be a little bit. For everyone All except right. for Trump. Everyone except for Trump gets now, loyalty from their from their judges. So hold on. Well, hold up. I, I got you. <laughs> so 2012, the entire FISA court. Now, in 2005, this is where it's it's crucial. In what month was the Supreme Court of the United States, Chief Justice Roberts, appointed? September. Thank you. That was quick. And then what? Ha who did President Bush appoint as the assistant, or excuse me, as the U.S. Attorney for the District of Maryland? That's five months where he came earlier. Out of. No, no, five months earlier. A guy by the name of uh, Rod Rosenstein. Rosenstein. Or Steen. All right, so who is he? He later becomes the Deputy Attorney General. Remember this name, Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General. And if you're going to give me more than the hour, Joe, and we can I complete am, this sure. cycle, you're, you're good. It you is going go. to. Going. I am going to answer all the questions. I hope of people that are skeptical of certain people in our movement. And at the end of this, you're going to see exactly why I feel the way I do, because the evidence and the front row seat that I've had since 2014 we haven't gotten to 2014 yet and how many and, and you served two decades two decades okay over two decades <laughs> okay so well you're still serving let's see here we got where are we at 2005 Rod Rosenstein, Rod six months earlier june of uh, 2000 or excuse Five me months uh, earlier, may, yeah may Chief Justice Roberts, Rod Rosenstein, appointed. Okay. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Look it up. The guy that ended up later becoming a vice president, the who previously was the governor of Indiana, served for 12 years in Congress. What was his name? Pence. Pence. Michael Pence. Okay. What committees did he serve on? I think you're probably going to be able to guess this one right. Well, the Intelligence Committee he served on. The Judiciary Committee. For 10 of the 12 years that Michael Pence served in Congress, and if, please pull up the dates, Max, if you could, if you don't mind. Pull up the dates when he served, when Speaker Paul Ryan served, how much overlap there was, how close their relationship was, okay? 
And how close Mike Pence? Okay. And what about Paul Ryan, who I bumped into at the Glenn Youngkin inauguration a week and a half ago? Why, by the way, is this not? Uh, why is it foggy, Mr. Producer? Hey, you're stopping us. Sorry, let's get this. Let's get this in focus. Do whatever so, we can to get it in focus, Max. I think it's, the, it's just lack of pixels or something. If you can zoom in on the right side, it, it should articulate kind of the, the content that we're looking for on the right side where it gives the summary synopsis of his service. Put it back up, Mr. Paul Ryan. Yeah, 1999 to 2019. So for all of the 12 years that Michael Pence served in the House, Paul Ryan covered that entirety. I mean, there are a lot of people in the House, 435 members. But, you know, you're together for 12 years. It's reasonable to think that there may be some sort of relationship there. Well, let's dig deeper, right? Why was he pushed forward? So if you have served for 12 years together in the House, and Paul Ryan is the Speaker of the House at the time that Trump is nominated, and the Republican Party is presenting to you via Reince Priebus, this is where it gets interesting, Paul Ryan is from Wisconsin. He's the Speaker of the House. Reince Priebus is from Wisconsin, the current, at the time, Chairman of the RNC in 2016. Chairman of the RNC, okay? They are the ones that are proposing, hey, Trump, now that you've won the nomination, how about you accept Michael Pence as your Vice President? I'm guessing behind the scenes, I think there's a little slight pause. Looks like we're getting disrupted. Nope, nope. We're because here. I'm about to get into some serious good. receipts. No, you're good. There's we no dis disruption you. on our side. You guys there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Ivan, can you hear us? Why can Ivan not hear us? Hello? Ivan, we can hear you. We can hear you. We can hear you. Oh, my gosh. you got to be kidding me. This is where we get censored because it's going to get interesting. Yeah. Guys, hit the share button. Can you hear us now? Remember what I talked yeah, about? The, the, can you hear us? I can hear you guys. Th okay, this is where right. it's going to get really. So, so listen, I, I want you disturbing. to smash the rumble deal, and I want you to share this with everyone before and after. Okay. It, I, I'm, <laughs> I thought we were going to lose you, Ivan. I thought we were going to lose you there. Go. You, uh, I thought that uh, was like I happened to do have, a show like this before, yeah. and right when I got to the just extreme, the computer completely shuts down. Like it, it nuked itself. Yeah. Screen goes. We have nine hundred. We have nine hundred and seventy-two people watching on Rumble, but only thirty-seven Rumbles, thirty-seven upvotes. So if you're watching, hit that plus sign underneath the video and give us a nice. upvote. Give us a Rumble. Because just so you know, when it gets to two hundred Rumbles, they will automatically send this out in an email to more people. Right, so just hit the rumble. All a thousand people just oh, go yeah. there and hit the rumble because what it'll do is it'll just start sending it out to everybody else. Now this would be massive if this message gets out because uh, it takes a lot of effort and time to really lay this out. It's a really long form explanation that we can't get on, you know, the normal traditional channels, which just give you the top what, not even the ripple, top of the wave top. Okay, so let me go back because this is so important. Mike Pence, twelve years. In the House, 10 of those years on the Judiciary Committee. What did I say about the Judiciary Committee? 
It has responsibility to provide oversight over the FBI and the Department of Justice. So in that role, wouldn't you think as a congressman, you and your staffers probably have some sort of relationship with members of the DOJ and the FBI? That's for you to answer. That's not for me to answer. I'm just throwing out some questions and linking things together. I know where I stand, and I think you're probably going to be in the same boat. All right, so 2016 rolls around, right? Remember, 2012 is when the entire FISA court is owned by Chief Justice Roberts. If you use the analogy that if you appointed them, they have some sort of loyalty and similar ideology to you to an extent. I would guess that that'd be the case. So 2016, Speaker Paul Ryan writes Priebus to his buddy from Wisconsin. And oh, by the way, Paul Ryan's chief of staff, former chief of staff, was college roommates with Ryan Priebus. And, and we're going to get to it when we get to the map. Okay, so, so hold on. Let's, the let's Speaker of the so, House, the Speaker Priebus's? of the House of Wisconsin, who is currently Robin Voss. You just had the Wisconsin guy on a couple days ago, or yesterday. Yeah, Robin the Voss. Speaker of the Wisconsin. Him? Yes, he was college roommates with Reince Priebus and Paul Ryan's chief of staff. All three of them, college roommates, besties. You know what? Let's take a little pause right here, and bring up. If you do a search on your internet internet search and pull that up, Voss, Paul Ryan. Reince Priebus and bring up that a local Fox News article that from 2012, I believe. I'll, I'll leave that, that to the producer. That's, that. that's a lot of searching. Producer, whoever. <laughs> and while he, does that, gonna, while he does that, Priebus, I'm going to read a quick ad um, while he's yeah. pulling that up. This podcast sponsored by AirMed Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your loved ones should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose. When a disaster strikes, you don't get to choose how you go to the hospital. If you've ever gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's expensive. You know your insurance doesn't want to cover it. What only gets worse when you have to be transported by air. Sign up with Air Make Care Network, and you won't have to worry about that. When you become a member, you won't pay one cent for an air medical transportation flight as long as you're flown by an AMCM provider. And don't worry, they fly over 100,000 patients a year. So sign up using the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily. And as a bonus... When you use promo code daily, you're going to get up to $50 back in the form of a gift card. It's free money. So, again, go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. All right, we're good. Okay. Good, good, good. So, Mike Pence, Paul Ryan. We're not going to deep dive in Wisconsin right now. We'll do that a little bit later. So, Joe, I see you're shaking your head. You're... Yeah, because I'm I'm ready. My head's got to explode because I'm writing down stuff and pushing people. And there's other people that I know about that I haven't brought up because it's not my show. It's your show. So you keep going. Go ahead and bring this stuff up, Max. Um, no, so when we're done with my part, I want to hear how you can inject because this is how we're going to learn and connect these dots based on our networks. Because the DOJ, as you're going to see, and the FBI do not have an interest to expose some of the things that we're going to want to expose. It's going to be incumbent on us to put it out there through our channels to force it in the public you know, discourse in the court of public opinion. 
I'm, I'm moving ahead to the General Flynn deal and the make him look like the bad guy and the good guy <clears throat> seat and then the bad guy and then the good guy and then the bad guy. No, we're, we're going to get to all of that. I, yeah, we're gonna get going to get to all of that. And I'm going to tell you from my perspective, <sighs> and I'm hoping that you're going to see why I'm in the position that I am. It's going to be pretty crystal clear. Okay. Remember, let me just back up real quick. I didn't. Some of the things I wanted to talk about in the FISA court. What is the FISA court? It is the court, that's what we missed to, uh, to talk about. The FISA court is where if the U.S. government wants to use its assets and resources to surveil, spy to the maximum level a, an American citizen or a U.S. person, those are a little bit legally distinct, but let's just say a U.S. citizen, they have to go and get a warrant from the FISA court. What do they have to show? They have to go through what's called a Woods Procedure paper stack of information and documents. The FBI does that, probable cause, that there is a nexus with a foreign terrorist outfit or foreign intelligence service, essentially. Okay? Foreign, foreign, foreign. So if you want to weaponize it, you can create a... Did I lose you guys again? No, no. You guys froze on me. Okay. Ah. So foreign, I love what they're doing. They're definitely trying to lower the viewership by right. creating <laughs> dissent and discord can, and can disruption. You, into can you hear me? Ecosystem. Can you hear us? I can hear you fine, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Just keep talking because you haven't broken up once on us. Just keep talking. Okay. We'll, we'll come Excellent. back in now. And we're, we're buffering out on our side. Excellent. Yeah. Because I got a terabit connection here at the at where I'm at. So. And we have at least that All right, here. So. Perfect. Now, so the see how this disrupts the uh, the flow of the thought process. Keep keep going. So the FISA court, yeah, the FISA court, ex parte, meaning the FBI, they, whatever mechanism, find out that there may be a foreign nexus with the person that they want to surveil to determine whether or not that there is a foreign intelligence or foreign terrorist connection with the U.S. person. Okay, now how do they do that? One way to do that is you identify your target first. You tell the media to go ahead and attack them, increase their name ID to force some sort of investigation by the press to investigate them until they find something in the vicinity that can be then used as the basis to start an investigation. For those that have been following me, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of know where I'm getting at here. Start an investigation in the public domain that is then the fuel to start a potential foreign nexus investigation that the FBI wants to launch, whether it be a counterintelligence investigation. Again, everything I'm speaking about is based on research in my own personal private capacity time. So you look into it. You launch an investigation, then you present to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court at the classified level, top secret, in D.C., at the Federal District Court there in D.C., which is on the top, I think it's on the top floor, and then they present the evidence to a judge. Guess what? If I'm wanting to spy on Joe Altman, Joe Altman doesn't get to represent himself to defend himself in that warrant request. Joe no, Altman's attorney. Next part hearing. 
Right, exactly. That's the de by definition ex parte. Just want to make sure you know, I'm clarifying it. Joe Altman's attorney, attorneys, representatives don't get to represent him. They don't even know this is happening. Right? Ex parte. Yeah. So, how do we legally, quotes, air quotes, start an investigation to be able to warrant a warrant, FISA warrant, to then further spy on someone until you can find something, basically investigate until you either find something, and if the person is that clean, until you entrap someone into something in order to be able to then pull them in for an investigation, question them, force them into a lie, and if they don't lie, you write in your FD-302, your book, the sworn affidavit, the special uh, uh, agent actually writes as a consequence of a meeting that the agent has with the witness, and then concoct a lie. And that lie that you've concocted... And you can't record it, by you the way. Used, no recording. No recording. Right. You concoct a lie, and you use that to file your federal felony section 1001, 18 U.S. Code section 1001, which says lying or making a false statement to a federal government official. Right? False statement. And then... You charge them with it, and then what do you do when you charge them with it? You basically say, hey, I don't care if you don't think you lied. Come take us to task. Because guess what? If you want a jury trial, it's going to be here in D.C. And 97% of the electorate in D.C. who's going to be your jury pool voted yeah. for Hillary Clinton. So good luck I mean, with that. It's it's even a little worse than that because they can have three degrees of separation when it comes to actually listening into people's phone calls. So if they have a, a FISA warrant on someone and that person calls person A, who calls person B, who calls person C, it's it's masked, but they can listen in on that phone call. And if they hear something that they're very concerned about, they unmask it and they don't even need the pretext to investigate person C because they got there through the initial subject of the warrant so when you have all these people working together and they're all interconnected you can hit it's like it's like the six degrees of kevin bacon you can hit everyone everyone with three degrees you, you, i'm so glad you brought that up perfect transition segue into naming names in your hypothetical max so let's go through the names name by name and if you want to read the thousands of pages of legal documents and filings and court filings as it applies to the Flynn case, you can do that, or I can help summarize those. I have I went to every hearing. I, I have read reading. all 248, I think, uh, filings. At, uh, I read them a point. long time ago. <laughs> it's been a while. It gives quite a bit of insight. So let me summarize that coupled with the, the OIG's reports from the DOJ uh, after the election, before the election, etc. This is essentially... These are all the sources that I'm basing all this on and my personal physical proximity attending these hearings, uh, the ones that existed. Okay, so the judicial ecosystem consists at the federal level is resides in the legislative, executive, and judicial branch, obviously. So we talked about the legislative branch, the Senate judiciary, and the House judiciary, and some of those key players, right, potentially. And we talked about the 
Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. We didn't really talk about that. But who were the players amidst that 2016 spying uh, of the Trump campaign? Because you got to remember, two weeks after Pence was appointed by what I consider Reince Priebus, Paul Ryan. I mean, why wouldn't they be, right? Paul Ryan, Reince Priebus to be the vice president for Trump. Because remember, Flynn was on the short list. He was on the probably the preferred list, in my estimation, to be the vice president. But he had no political base to do so. Had he been selected, the I argue that the RNC would not have supported Trump and his efforts. I mean, not like they really, uh, you can argue either way whether they did or not. But I mean, at the end of the day, there was a win. At least Pence had, uh, it was a matter of political convenience, in my, uh, from my assessment, to choose Pence because he was part of the establishment. He could gr- gather and garner support from the RNC to deploy resources to then help with the election. Flynn, on the other hand, was appointed twice by Obama. So here's where the skepticism lies. And I think this is going to start helping frame this. Yes, Michael Flynn, uh, General Michael Flynn was appointed twice by Obama to senior post in the intelligence community. Yes, he served as the uh, deputy for, I think, coalition integration at the Office of uh, Director of National Intelligence. Yes, that's true. Yes, he was the director of the Defense Intelligence. Yes, that's true. Yes, he was the senior intelligence officer of the Joint Special Operations Command. For those that don't know what the Joint Special Operations Command is, well, you can look it up. And it is by far the most selective organization uh, of any military on the planet to be a part of uh, from my Uh, let's just say reading 193 countries the most capable most selective military outfit to be the senior intelligence officer of before he was uh, the previous two positions to be the senior officer in that uh, you're basically not basically you are the top performer in your entire military career up to that point to even be close to being considered for that position that's the level of professional that we're dealing with to that point okay you can disagree with me but the facts will not support your disagreement whatsoever now 2015 excuse me this is where i'm going to give a little insight to to front row seat and it would be nice if the video was streaming can we take a a, a pause and let me refresh before i continue yeah yeah that works Go ahead and hit the refresh. Guys, go ahead and hit the share button and share this. This is where it gets really fascinating. Actually, it was fascinating before, but yeah, this, this is, is really just We're, draw- getting, we're yeah. getting into the appetizer part right now. I know it's, I know we're almost at an hour, but I think we can probably pull it off in the next we can go. 20 minutes. We're, we're good. Just right. keep going. Unless this technical issues. Happen, I promise you, Max is taking notes. Are. I'm taking notes. We probably spend two hours talking about this, building a whiteboard. I'm going to whiteboard all this by the time it's all said and done with. All right, let's go. No, no, no. This is this is deep state. I'm getting into the meat and potatoes. The deep state doesn't want to eat their lunch. I just watched you. All right, so watch this. And you came back on. All right, go. Ivan, you're up. Don't listen to Max. Don't listen to Max. So remember, 2012 is when the FISA court, essentially, Chief Justice Roberts. 2014. 2014 is when, uh, let's just say, somebody that I know was serving inside of the Pentagon at the National Military Command Center as a foreign foreign area specialist, essentially an analyst, 
back in his career, right? As Joe and Flynn, was, was advising our senior leaders on the crisis uh, in Ukraine, the Ukraine crisis team, right? That was 2014. That was General Flynn. 20, 2014, the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency was General Flynn. Someone that I know very well that you may be or not looking at was inside the Pentagon on the Ukraine crisis team providing analysis and insight on what was going on. Okay? Yeah. You get me? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm writing it down. You feel me? Yeah. So, several echelons up, the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency was tracking what was going on in the world, right? It would make sense. Military movements, if you look at the mission of the organization on the publicly facing website, you could probably put two and two together. You look at the publicly public available statements uh, every year, the director and other members of the intelligence community are uh, actually giving their annual threat assessments on the situation in the world, right? And so he's testifying and sitting by him, if you want to pull this up on C-SPAN, James Comey was the director of what? The FBI? The FBI. Is sitting a couple seats away from the director of the defense intelligence, Michael Flynn. And General Flynn is talking about what's going on in the world. What's going on with ISIS? Remember 2013? Yeah. ISIS, the JV team, starts to move south into northern Iraq and starts to take over. Well, the policy at the time was what? Uh, by the president at the time, 44. JV team, don't worry about it. We're getting out of Iraq. Nothing here to see. Got it. And then at that same time, what was going on with Iran? Who was negotiating what on behalf of the United States? A guy by the name of maybe Secretary Kerry? right? The JCPOA. So when you have a military service member that is speaking truth to power, basically articulating that that might not be the best idea to do that deal in Iran. That's not quite the JV team in uh, North Iraq. It's not the JVT as it relates to Iraq and, and, the, and the structures there. And oh, by the way, Russia's going into Ukraine during the Olympics, which, oh, by the way, tangent, I expect Russia to move on Ukraine at the uh, during the opening day of the Olympics in Beijing while China goes into Taiwan. Done deal. Okay. But that's another, that's another thing. So back to 2014. That is Ukraine absolutely what's going to happen, but I mean, okay. All right. So Ukraine, let's pull up a couple of Washington Post articles, uh, Producer, please. April of 2014, let's look up Hunter Biden. Let's look up Ukraine. And again, You'll put it up, Mr. I'm just Producer. telling you the stuff that I may or may not have researched in the public sphere and domain when I was looking at this issue. Just to give a little bit of a non-credibility. So I got to be careful how I frame this and say it so that uh, it makes it a little bit more challenging for the radical uh, domestic terrorist as well as the foreign 
terrorist organizations that they recruit, which happen to be also uh, what was the date? Uh, publications. Let's just sure take a look at a- April of 2014. Okay? Holy crap, guys. This interview is nuts. This is part one of our uh, two-hour special with Ivan Raikman laying down some incredible research uh, going on with election fraud and how it's all connected to the political favoring that has been going on literally for decades. Tune in for part two. It's coming up next, and it's going to be just as good.